Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, and welcome to Telling Everybody Everything. Just so that you know, one of my neighbors is doing some type of hedge trimming for about three minutes of this podcast today, and I'm sorry you can hear it. It's like a low hum, and I just don't want you walking around your own house or wherever you are being like, what What is that? Where's that coming from? It's me, and I promise it doesn't last very long, and I hope it doesn't spoil the podcast for you. Nice to have you here. My nose is getting less red. I never post a full video of the podcast, but I do do. I do do. I hate when people say do do. There's got to be a better way. I do put clips online on my socials once in a while, and I think it's about week five of a dermatologist telling me that I had rosacea on my nose and that I needed to use a combo of azelaic acid and ivermectin. We all remember ivermectin from COVID times, and everyone was like, it's a horse dewormer, and it literally wasn't. I was like, no, it does so many things, but anyway. Um, so I've been putting that on my nose at night, and for those of you who might have missed this on a previous podcast, the reason that I do that because the dermatologist said that I uh, had a very aggressive form of rosacea on my nose, sort of triggered by my pregnancy with Fred, and that there are bugs that live in the follicles of your skin and they fuck at night on your face. And that is how they reproduce. And apparently ivermectin stops them doing that. So that's what I've been using. And my nose is less red. He said eight weeks, it'll be dramatically less red. Well, it's about five weeks now and I feel like it's dramatically less red. So... If you have a red nose like I have been lamenting over for the last four years, maybe you have rosacea. I don't know. And if you do, then azelaic acid and ivermectin might be your solution, along with like, I think IPL helps. Or, I mean, whatever the pulse laser is that they recommend. Ongoing, anyway. Um, Joanne has written me. I like to start the podcast by looking at what people were inspired by last week what you decided to write back to not a lot of messages about bobby being canceled last week's episode was cancel bk there was a young person on tiktok who see how i stopped myself there oh young but actually i checked her pronouns and she is she a young woman on tiktok and she took offense to an appearance that bobby and i made on the chris and rosie ramsey show bbc one she has every right to do that it's fine and i applauded her for trying to cancel my husband it is about time someone had the guts And Joanne was worried about it. As you know, my middle sister, Joanne, who's very fragile, apparently, she curates the emails and she was upset to see this TikTok. She doesn't like anybody taking things the wrong way. I've been working on her. I mean, what what even am I doing if I can't even cure Joanne to not give a fuck about stuff like this? But she got quite upset. So maybe there weren't a lot of emails because you didn't want to hurt Joanne. Um, But what you did respond in droves to is... The, uh, the question that I had at the end about an ex of mine who goes around referring to me as his ex-wife. Now I am his ex. I was never married to this person. I even object to the term like my ex because there's ownership attached to the my, especially when we've been broken up for a long time. I just, I just don't like, I don't know. I don't care very much. But when you use the word wife, On the scale of things that bother people, it bothers me very little. I just find it humiliating because I think that this person talks about me and shows pictures of me in a way to like graft for himself, you know, for clout. And I just find him to be, I don't know, just kind of, I'm not proud of that time in my life, I guess. And so that's why I don't like it. And it's not true. I think that's the other objection that I have is that I had an organization ring me up and be like, oh, your ex-husband told us. I'm like, hang on, that's not possible. I don't have one. So my approach has been just not to react because this person, I think, would get off on a reaction. And a lot of you wrote in supporting me. Here are some of the emails that Joanne has picked out. Catherine, I am a 62-year-old Canadian who is almost finishing listening to all of your episodes. I don't know how you got so wise, but here's my wisdom. All I have to say 
is if you are nobody's ex-wife, I guess anybody who says you are their ex-wife is a nobody. Yes, that's a given, but it doesn't make me feel that much better. I think I I didn't really care that much until I got married, because marriage is not something that I took lightly or I wouldn't have just married anyone. And I don't, I don't really care, but it's like Bobby is my only husband that I have ever had and ever will have. But anyway, and then uh, here is a really cool response. Joanne said, this one is the spiciest. Catherine, don't apologize for missing any podcasts. Oh yeah, I was a week late on the podcast and I will apologize. Look, I'm sorry. I'm just listening to last week's podcast about your ex using your name and it reminded me. When I was extremely young, 14, I got into a relationship with a 17-year-old. This lasted two or three years and it was very toxic. He was my first love and all that comes with it. He continuously cheated on me, gaslit me to the point that I lost all my school friends and I was totally isolated for a long time. Not only did he pass on STIs to me, but he also got me pregnant and I had a very traumatic termination that I didn't tell anyone about. That ended, thankfully, and around a decade went by with no contact. Then he randomly got in touch to say that he has naughty pictures of me from when I was younger. Uh, Put a little pin in that. Depending on how young, babe, what he has is images of child abuse. If he has any naughty pictures of you under the age of 16, those are not naughty pictures. Those are images of child abuse. And I would swiftly let him know that the police are on their way. I said I didn't care. I was hot as shit. No, you were a child. I told him to delete them and goodbye. Fast forward to seven years later when I heard the news that he's had his first child, a daughter, who is called, guess what? (gasps) My name. I was absolutely furious, seething. My name is an Arabic one, and he is white as a sheet and has no cultural bones. There's no need for him to have picked this name. Not only is it spelled exactly the same as mine, he even added a little double barrel, so she is first name Rose. Now, this guy took my virginity, my friends, and my innocent youth, and he's taken my name. How fucked up is that? There's no way the mom decided on this name, so he must have kept it in his back pocket all these years. Weird as hell. I haven't contacted him about it, as in reality, what can I do? So yes, I totally empathize with your name being used, and God bless my ex's child with a dad like that. Keep up the good work. I mean, I feel... Like, you can't name your child after any ex, but this actually happens a lot, and it's very toxic. I know someone whose mother had a secret affair, and she kept the name of the man she was sleeping with in America. She kept that in her back pocket for many, many years. And then when she had children, I think the affair might have been during her marriage too, but when she had children, she had a daughter first, and then she named her son the name of the man that she'd been having this affair with. Spelled exactly the same and everything. So, I mean, people do it, but what are you trying to achieve? I think it's very abusive, and I don't throw that word around, I think. You know, I'm too old. Like, younger people feel like everything is abuse at this point, and I'm just watching. You know, maybe they're right and I'm wrong, but I'm 40, so I don't say, like, this is abuse, that's abuse. But I feel like hiding a secret in plain sight that's so important from your spouse, I mean, it's crazy. It's weird. So thank you for all of your letters and I will get to the new letters and your new dilemmas from this week. There are some really spicy ones in there. But first, if you are here because you've seen the title, blow me down. I absolutely couldn't believe it. Earlier this week when a social media person reached out to me and told me about Blippi's sordid past. If you are lucky enough not to have come across the children's entertainer that is Blippi. He is a YouTube sensation that I just stumbled upon and was instantly annoyed by when Fred was about a year and a half old. Fred is two now, he likes monster trucks, he likes excavators, he likes farming equipment, he likes planes, he likes basically all vehicles. And YouTube has this AI sinister way like all of our apps and socials now where it learns what you like and then it suggests things you might like. So we were innocently watching probably tractor ted or some farming videos and this very colorful man with an orange hat glasses suspenders blue shirt blippy comes on and he's got loads of farming equipment in the background so we clicked on it and this guy's voice is so annoying he's like hi i'm blippy and he like jumps around and dances it's just very 
loud. And we, believe it or not, I get painted with the brush of being loud. We are a very quiet household. So I found Blippi to be immediately abrasive. But Fred loved it. He was like entranced. And I posted on social media about Blippi a few times. And every other parent was like, yeah, welcome to the Blippi universe. It's all Blippi, Blippi songs, Blippi in the car, Blippi cartoons. And then my husband and I really got to know all of the videos. He has garbage truck songs, and they're good songs too. My favorite one is about an ambulance. They've got this little bridge where he's like, uh, the song's basically, it's an ambulance, it's an ambulance, it's an ambulance, it's a little hospital on wheels. And I like the rhyming of hospital with little, but then there are sirens and things, and there's this voice in the background just at one bit where he goes, uh, when a siren comes on, all the cars move out of the way. It's an ambulance. And I just love that bit. I'm like, this is my favorite song right now. I loved Blippi. But then the more deep we got into it, all of a sudden we see Blippi advertised on Netflix. And we go, oh, what? Because Blippi is a self-created YouTube sensation, millions of views, merch. I heard from my friend Jen that Blippi had a tour that she was taking her son to. I didn't take Fred because at that time, I think it would have been too many people and too noisy. And when Jen got there, it wasn't the real Blippi. It was like an actor Blippi, which I suppose they farmed out in like every big major town and city. And they had a meet and greet afterwards, which I thought was especially weird seeing as how it wasn't the real Blippi. It was like London actor portrayal of Blippi. And they get away with it by calling it Blippi the musical. So I suppose he's cast to portray Blippi, but I feel like the kids would know the difference. Well, all right, so I'm glad I didn't take Fred to that. And they didn't play all the hits, by the way. And then on Netflix, we click on it. Well, again, it's not the real Blippi, it's Blippi cartoon. We're like, oh wow, he's really, you know, sold this franchise into a big thing. I wonder how many millions he's worth because you become a millionaire on YouTube alone with all those views and all the advertising. And then you make a cartoon deal with Netflix. But then we see Netflix actually has the real Blippi, like life episodes, not cartoon. So we click on that. It's not real Blippi either. It is like younger, androgynous, Hispanic Blippi. And at first, Bobby was like, well, here we go. This is the way of the woke world. Blippi is a white American man. I think he's from Seattle or something. And uh, maybe he's getting older. Can't really tell with the costume. I mean, he seems like 40s, late 30s maybe. But young, androgynous, Hispanic Blippi is maybe like a cooler version. But do they think the kids won't notice? So we were like, well, why has this happened? And now Blippi has a sidekick who's like a young black woman too. I was like, oh, well, maybe they're just woking up Blippi. Who knows? Who knows? But overall, my husband and I were just, even though, you know, we love and hate all of his content, we're impressed by him. We're like, well, this guy has maybe kicked his feet up and been like, I'm going to retire. I will sell you the name Blippi and the likeness and you can do whatever you want with it. Netflix, just keep sending the checks. I've lived long enough as this like hyper children's entertainer. He's written a lot of good songs. He's been smart. So we fucking respected him. And then I posted yesterday or the day before my children and myself watching Blippi and in my replies, I receive this Buzzfeed article. Oh, Jesus. Kids YouTube star Blippi regrets, in quotations, the viral video in which he poops all over his friend. Before he was Blippi, a Mr. Rogers for YouTube age, he was Steezy Grossman and he pooped on his friend. So I was thinking, it can't be that bad, can it? I read on. If you have come across Blippi, the wildly popular YouTube kids entertainer, you might dismiss him as an eccentric 30-year-old man in an orange bow tie and bright orange glasses, a guy in a blue and orange cap who dances wildly and speaks in a cloying, over-enunciated voice for kids on the internet. But to three-year-olds, Blippi is the greatest fucking thing they have ever seen, and they will cry and beg to see more of Blippi's adventures with tractors and fire trucks. It's this raw kinder fervor Blippi cultivates amongst his fans that has grown his YouTube channel to 3.5 million subscribers. His real name is Stephen John. Uh, Stephen spelled an absolutely stupid way, by the way. S-T-E-V-I-N. So like Steven? It sort of looks like Steven for some reason. And before he began performing as a twee 21st century clown, he was a filmmaker in L.A. L.A. All the shitting on people happens in L.A. He created comedy videos under the moniker Steezy Grossman. 
He changed his name legally from Stefan J. Grossman to Stephen John, including low-budget, low-brow comedy videos with titles such as Turd Boy and Underwear Man. And Blippi is hardly John's first brush with internet fame. In a hard R-rated twist, in a 2013 video that BuzzFeed News has viewed, but I have not viewed, Stephen Blippi John takes an explosive diarrhea shit on his nude friend's ass in a truly shocking rendition of the Harlem Shake meme. Yes, I did make gross-out comedy videos when I was in my early 20s, long before I started Blippi, John said in a statement to BuzzFeed. Everyone has a past. Blippi's just happens to involve a widely viewed comedic video of him taking a deuce on another man. It seems that even in his former incarnation, Stephen John was destined for viral fame, but no one could have foreseen the dancing poop guy's pivot to mainstream children's entertainment. So this is it, guys. This is not just Blippi getting tired, being like pushing 40, going, you know, I'm going to sell my likeness to Netflix for young androgynous Hispanic Blippi to take the baton and run. No, like I feel like there were definitely crisis meetings where everyone was like, okay, I mean, he didn't break any laws in most countries, I don't think, but like, I think it's very difficult to be a children's entertainer, especially one, you know, you can be a YouTube children's entertainer and shit on someone, that's pretty standard, but can you be sanctioned by a streamer like Netflix as the face of a big children's show if you've like diarrheaed on your best friend. And like, look, the three-year-olds, who knows what they're doing? I've been peed on more times than I would like to count, but not even my small children have pooped on me in a while. Not in a while, certainly not like on video age 30. You don't expect that from a children's entertainer. But what is it about every children's entertainer? And Bobby was saying the other night, there's gotta be something up with Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers, and he has documentaries in his name. He was a wonderful children's entertainer of like our generation. You know, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Wasn't big in Britain, I don't think. But he seems to be just a very virtuous character who wanted to teach kids. And he's a psychologist. I think he wanted to have kids grow up with a healthy self-esteem and good relationships. He does not appear in any way to be a nonce. But a lot of the other ones are weird. I'm, you know, Blippi's not a nonce. He's like a scat man, but not a nonce. But I mean, they've all got something. Why? What is it about being a children's entertainer that attracts like absolute weirdos? And like very few children's entertainers are women as well. There's Miss Rachel on YouTube. She's, I mean, I don't want, uh, no, I don't want to be unkind. They, I feel like, okay, I'll just say it. And this is unkind. But she's clearly very wealthy because she's very successful and very good. She does so many close-ups of her teeth enunciating words for kids to learn. And her teeth are not perfect. They're not horrible. But it's like, if I have to look at your teeth all day that close, get your teeth fixed. You're not British. What's your excuse, Miss Rachel? That might be the meanest thing I've ever said in my life. Okay, so the Blippi Empire, based in a production and distribution warehouse in Las Vegas, is vast. In addition to the main Blippi channel, which has almost 3.6 million subscribers, there is a Blippi Toys channel, mostly videos of Blippi with toy trucks or a play gym, also 3 million subscribers to that one, a Spanish dubbed Blippi with almost 4.3 million subscribers. The Blippi channels have a combined 7 billion views, get 400 million views per month. This is what Blippi said to his uh, BuzzFeed News statement. YouTube ad payouts vary widely based on multiple factors, but based on a back-of-the-envelope calculation based on a range of YouTube rates from Social Blade, that volume of traffic could earn between 100000 to $1.6 million per month in ad revenue. It's a rough guesstimate, obviously. The difference between $100,000 and $1.6 million is a lot. But Blippi won't say how much he makes, but he makes a lot. Well, why? Isn't he like a limited company? Doesn't he have to like publish his accounts the way I do? Or is that not a thing in America? Or is that just not a thing in Vegas? He's definitely a millionaire anyway. 
Then there's the dizzying array of Blippi merchandise, dolls, books, action figures, bikes, t-shirts, a replica of his hat and glasses, Blippi birthday party plates, decorations, licensing deal with K-Swiss to sell Blippi blue and orange kids sneakers. Oh my God. Just all developed in five short years. Oh my gosh. And his Instagram, Stephen John, Stephen spelled the stupid way, S-T-E-V-I-N, John with an H. You see like real, real Stephen John without the Blippi costume. That's so freaky. <gasps> I never expected to see him not Blippi. So this Harlem Shake poop meme went viral in 2013. One person dances to the softer part of the techno song Harlem Shake by Bauer. Then when the beat drops, a jump cut reveals a whole crowd of people dancing wildly, maybe in costumes. The entertainer, then known as Steezy Grossman, puts his own spin on the meme in the Harlem Shake poop, set in the interior of a sparse bathroom with a shower stall. You see him sitting on the toilet, pants down around his ankles. He's wearing a tank top, sunglasses, and for some reason, a bicycle helmet. He gently shrugs his shoulders, rolling his arms to the beat. The beat drops. Suddenly, the video cuts to Steezy standing sideways on top of the toilet seat, fully nude now, except for the bicycle helmet and sunglasses. Safety first. On the floor, a friend. <laughs> on the floor, a friend whose identity is unknown leans against the wall in a contorted shoulder stand. His head and neck on the floor, his hips in the air, his legs dangling down. He's also fully nude, except swimming goggles and a swim cap. A black bar has been edited over his genitals, thank God, blocking out not just his penis and scrotum, <laughs> but also the full taint and asshole. Well, then what's the problem? After a few seconds of dancing on the toilet, it happens. No. Steezy emits an explosive stream of shit, a cacophonous eruption that sends feces splattering across the room in a shotgun-like spray of poo pellets. Shit hits the wall, the, sh the shower door, the floor. A sizable chunk hits the intended target. The spread-cheeked ass of his friend. I feel like we're using the term friend loosely here. We're just throwing that around. These two are colleagues at best. I feel like they have an arrangement they is maybe a client would be a better term this is not his friend you don't do this to a friend you don't shit in a friend's ass steezy giggles and continues dancing as does his friend for a few seconds until you can hear the unmistakable sound of gagging though he never stops attempting to wiggle his legs in a dancing motion it's undeniably unequivocally fucking hilarious i don't think it is an attorney for blippy <laughs> stephen john sent BuzzFeed News a cease and desist letter asserting his copyright on the video. <gasps> We've created an artist's rendition of a scene from it below. Oh my God, oh my, no, no. Ugh. That, okay, you have to. All right, so the, the author of this BuzzFeed News article is called Katie Natopoulos. And you have to see this artist's rendition. It is exactly as I imagined it. But why? But why? Because I know boys have differently placed urethras than girls, but like it looks to me like the poo. And how do they prepare for this? It would have been like laxatives, I wonder, I guess. I mean, but like if you, I'm sorry for the content in the podcast today, but if you like shit at someone's very splain crotch and bum, like, what if some of that could get in their bladder? Fena had a bladder infection two weeks ago, and I was really traumatized by that. And that was just because babies wear nappies. But, like, you can't be shitting at someone's genitals. You know what I mean? Like, this is very dangerous. All of this scat play, like, there is, do you know that there is E. coli in every, every poo? And you don't want E. coli anywhere else. Like, poo is very i know the british britain doesn't understand this and this is why they had the plague because they were just like chucking poo out windows and not washing their hands before like delivering babies and performing surgery and i will always judge you guys for that but like you it is imperative that you don't get poo anywhere that you handle it with like fastidious hospital grade care and you dispose of it and wash how do they wash this bathroom Gross, sure, but what we have here is a consensual, non-sexual poop joke. 
no one got hurt. I mean, we don't know that. It's not sexist or criminal or problematic. It's just pure jackass prank stupidity, all right? If two adult men want to take a crap on each other for the sake of a viral video, I say God bless them. A lot of tolerance Katie's showing now. At the time, I thought this sort of thing was funny, but really it was stupid and tasteless, and I regret having ever done it, John said in his statement to BuzzFeed News. I've grown up a lot since then. Uh, Pardon me, you've not grown up at all. I see you prancing around. Like, I don't even know. I'm very uninhibited, but I don't think I could be blippy. Being like, be an excavator with me. Like, moving your arms around, dancing like an idiot. He is a good songwriter, or maybe he's outsourced that. I don't know. I love his music, but he has not grown up. If anything, he's got younger since then. Oh, God. I'm not the person I was. I was an idiot. In interviews, he said that the idea for Blippi came from a love of entertaining his nephew, then discovering there was a void of live-action kids' content on YouTube. Ooh. So he has a lot of former jobs, and one of them is a search engine optimization specialist. So, I mean, this was all just smart. I mean, he's smart. Is he an idiot? Is he smart? He's both. God. I guess he is a bellwether for where media is headed, said Antonio Garcia Martinez, a former Facebook executive author and parent. We've lost any notion of collective social virtue curated by accountable elites. Blippi, like the Harlem Shake poop video, was engineered to go viral. And he has. And he's part of our lives now. And I will be honest with you, the kids do not like androgynous, younger, Hispanic Blippi as much as they like original Harlem Shake poop video Blippi. This is like two girls, one cup all over again. This is too much for me. And I just wasn't expecting it. And like, I agree with the author, Katie Notopoulos. I feel like, yeah, he didn't hurt. Like these were two consenting adults who decided to make this horrific shit video. But I do think a broadcaster with sponsors like does maybe want to distance themselves from this type of behavior from a kid's entertainer. But that's why YouTube is magic. Like you can still do it on YouTube and advertisers can make their own choice. Am I going to cancel Blippi in my house for this? No. No. I wish I could, but I can't. Are you going to cancel Blippi in your house? Let me know what you think. Telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Had you heard of this? Are you surprised? It has been an incredible week in the Ryan Kutstra household. We shot... And I tell you exclusive news about this on the podcast because I developed this idea with you talking right here on the podcast. An amazing treatment for Canuck Boy Island. It's not Fuck Boy Island, it's Canuck Boy Island, where six gorgeous girls ditch British fuckboys to come with me to Canada and meet proper rugged Canuck Boys. And we shot it in the backyard with my favorite production company, one of my probably top three favorite production companies. Definitely my favorite person, Phil Mount, to whom my book is dedicated. If you've read my book, The Audacity, do you know what? The Audacity is actually getting a lot of traction on social media right now and in sales because people are going on holiday. And what do you need on holiday? Well, you need to bring my paperback with you. Maybe the hard copy was too big to travel with, but you'll see the paperback. I'm holding a big glass of wine, a little behind the scenes info. That's a whole bottle of white wine in that glass. Drink responsibly. But bring my book with you on holiday. I'm a good time. It's a good time. I dedicated the book to Phil because I happened to be working with him at the time. And I just thought it would be funny. I just did it to creep him out, actually, for no other reason than I thought. he'll, he'll People will start to ask him, what? why is your why is Catherine Ryan's book dedicated to you? And that's exactly what happened. It really freaked him out, I think. But um, not so much that he won't work with me anymore. And we're pitching around ideas for this Canuck Boy Island. So watch this space. I think the taster is really funny. We had Bobby shirtless. There's some slow-mo. There's some golf. He's like caught some fish in one scene. I'm in the swimming pool. It's great. I'm on the roof. We did a lot of work. But also, Bobby and I went together to the LGBT Awards where I won Celebrity Ally thanks to you for voting for me. I realized a little hack about awards because I never won any. I was never even nominated for any awards for a really long time. And then all of a sudden, I started getting nominated. I think it was the National Comedy Awards who nominated me first a couple years ago, and I won that. 
and I sort of didn't matter. I wouldn't tweet about it. I wouldn't ask for votes because I was like, who cares? I've already got the swimming pool. Like, isn't it a little late to start nominating me for awards? I've never really been a critic's darling. And also, I don't think I count as British. So a lot of these British comic, blah, blah, British this awards, I think I just get overlooked. Or like, I'm happy to accept that I'm not the best, but I'm good enough, you know? So then I just started asking people to vote for me. And that's how I started winning things. Oh, that's all that happens. You're just kind of in and you're like hip and you're the thing that people want to give awards to. Or often you have a PR putting you forward for these awards. And these awards are not awards at all, but just kind of like a way of drumming up PR for people. Anyway, I just asked people, please vote for me as Celebrity Ally at the LGBT Awards. And they did. And I won, but I wasn't there because I went to the awards with no breast pump. I thought, I can make it, but the dress that I was wearing, you know, I was over ambitious. I could not make it. One of my boobs was about to explode and we had to leave. And no one's really contacted me about how I'm going to get the trophy, but I want the trophy. I want to display my LGBT trophy high, high in the house, a place of privilege, a real good plot spot, because I actually do care. I don't care about many things, but when the gay community accepts me, it actually, I feel touched because they're a group of, you know, they grew up feeling maybe like outsiders or misfits, and so did I. And I think they're very discerning about what they like. I look at other gay icons, you know, Bette Midler, Joan Rivers, Betty White, Celine Dion, Tina Turner even. I just look at all these gay, and I think I want to be like them. I want to be counted among them, even in a small way, because gay people like the cool stuff. And this is why my good friend Andrew Johnston started the show Bitch Salad, comedy for bitchy queens by bitchy queens was the tagline in 2008 and I was a guest on his show and it just it made my comedy feel like it wasn't alternative I always felt alternative in a room of the typical you know couples audiences in Canada where white men would be on stage I sort of felt like oh my act is weird but in this audience I never felt weird I felt a real sense of acceptance and belonging And I know that I have privilege that I've never had to navigate the world as a queer person, but I'm queer adjacent and I hope to be a better ally all the time. And I beat out huge celebrity allies to become the winner of 2023 Celebrity Ally LGBT Award. It was Harry Styles was nominated, Kris Jenner, Michelle Visage. They're better allies than I am, but they didn't ask people on social media to vote for them, apparently. That is the ticket to winning. Did I win by being the best? No. I won by being an absolute bag. And then tomorrow, Bobby is taking me to a London hotel for my birthday. My birthday's Friday. And we're just going to kick back and take a nap and order Deliveroo. I mean, I might go down to the bar and have a nice glass of wine. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm very torn because I'm sad to be away from the kids. But I appreciated a lot of your messages last week about how to carve out date night time. And I just thought, you know, maybe I'll return to them a more refreshed mother if I could sleep all night. Are we going to be up all night having sex? Absolutely not. We will be sleeping. We'll be taking a nap in the day. And also I'm going to this musical that I keep reading about it because I'm so excited. I love musicals so much. And this is a black queer musical called Strange Loop. And it is playing at the Barbican Station for a very limited run in London. And it's won all these awards in New York. It's this runaway hit. It won a Pulitzer. Am I saying that right? Pulitzer. Huge prize. It's won all these like best musical awards, it's tipped as like the next Hamilton and it's at the Barbican station very briefly. So I'm going to the big press night for that on Thursday. That's tomorrow night. Come if you can get a ticket, beg, borrow and steal if you can get a ticket all month. I haven't even seen it and I know it's good. I'm so excited. And then Violet finishes school on Friday and I think she might go to Canada without us. I don't know because we have to see her grades first. And Violet first tried to tell us that grades would not be available till 2025. And I think that's a lie. I feel like we're going to have exam results today or tomorrow. And um, Violet is so clever, but you have to dangle a carrot. You know, you have to make them, especially kids today, I think they don't realize that they're supposed to be uncomfortable sometimes. It's like push yourself a little bit out of the box, out of your comfort zone, get uncomfortable, study to the point that you're really tired and your eyes are watering and you're uncomfortable. Like Violet doesn't even get that. She's never been uncomfortable. And she's like, I revised. I'm like, I just don't know. I don't see it. And you're so smart. And all I want is for you to reach your potential. But I think she's done all right. And so we need to turn it around with a quick decision. 
because Violet's companion to take her to Canada is none other than my sister, Carrie Ryan, who was landing on my birthday on Friday to surprise me for the weekend. Now I do know about the surprise, but we're going to have a lot of fun. If you're out in London over the weekend, it is pride. I don't think that I'm going to be out and about for pride just because you know, I'm too old and my kids really need me. And I am taking Thursday night away from them for my birthday. And I feel guilty enough about that. Two reasons. I don't like cordless breast pumps. They're not my pref. And I feel like pride is going to be very busy and difficult for me to plug my pump in anywhere on the streets. So I'm going to go probably to the Maple Leaf in Covent Garden in the morning on Saturday with the kids before it all kicks off and gets too busy for anyone. We've been pretty successful. I mean, please, we show up kind of around noon. And then it starts getting busy at 12, 30, 1 o'clock, and then we have to leave. <laughs> but I think if you want to be an early bird and celebrate Canada Day this Saturday during Pride in London, Carrie will be there. I'll be there. It'll be fun. We'll have a Caesar together, maybe some poutine, maybe some buffalo chicken wings, and then I'll head home. Now I'm going to dip into the emails, see what your dilemmas are, see what you're asking me. Really, guys, you're just bringing the best dilemmas. They get spicier and spicier every week. I'm so grateful for that. Please send them if you have any and you've never sent me a letter before. Even if you have sent me a letter before, I always want to hear from you. Telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Listen to these words from our sponsors and we'll be right back. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, watch out. This is a very spicy story to start off with. Catherine, I never thought I'd be able to email in as I've been working hard to have a nice, calm, happy life. I spent a lot of my 20s going out with idiot men who were beneath me, cheated on me, bored me, etc. I met a lovely, calm, kind man three years ago, and we accidentally got pregnant one year and three months into our relationship. We decided to move to the countryside and bought our first home. He's very loyal, and he always told me he would never betray me. Mm. Last August, my dad took his own life, and I had an 11-week-old baby, and I was dealing with all that grief. During that time, my partner was amazingly supportive, and I was so happy to have him. But a couple of weeks ago, we went on a family holiday. The weekend before, he wanted to go and see some old friends from his time traveling South America. I said that was fine, and I looked after our one-year-old son and picked him up from the station in the morning. He was hungover. He said he had slept terribly on the sofa the night before. Last night, whilst I was watching TV, he told me that during the night out, he'd not intended to, but he had slept with his friend because he was so drunk, and now she's just let him know she's pregnant and keeping the baby. I feel sick. I got up and I just left the house for a walk when he told me. I really thought he could never do this. I felt betrayed, lost. I don't want to pay for all my bills by myself and raise our son alone. My son loves his dad so much and he'd be devastated not to see him every day. But obviously I can't allow this behavior and move on. I can't even look at my partner without feeling sick. He says he's been racked with guilt and feels sick himself ever since and he can't believe what he did. The other woman lives in Australia, so fuck knows how all this is going to work out. He already can't afford the son he has and I pay for everything as I earn a lot more. So if he has to pay her child support, he's screwed. He's been telling me for months it's best our son stays an only child because babies are hard work and now he's got a sibling on the way, but not via me. I am heartbroken. What do I do? Oh my God. Well, you say you don't want to pay for everything alone, but you 
do pay for everything already right now. And I also worry when you say if he has to pay her child support. Depending on the type of job he has, he can evade child support or maybe she won't ask for child support. But don't you feel like that child deserves to have financial support from that child's dad who is your partner? Do you know what I mean? Like, why should, well, I was going to say, forget about the woman, but in a way, you know, as a mother, why should another mother struggle financially more than she has to? And I know he can't afford either of these kids, but well, guess what? He could afford to create these kids. So he's going to have to get a night job. Like I have said this to men who shall remain nameless before. It's like, if you have a child and you say you can't afford child support, then what you need to do, what I would do, is change my situation and clean a Tesco at night. Like get any odd job that I could to contribute financially to my child's life. I don't understand this. Like, yeah, it's very, very hard. But why would I expect someone else to do that for me? Like, why would I expect if I'm a mother who has to pay child support, whatever my situation is, I would never be like, oh, the child's dad can just look after that. That's not my, that's not my bag. I'm an artist. You know, I can't afford it. Like, no, I would, I would find a way to contribute like even a pound a day, whatever I could, that would be going to my child. And I don't understand men who don't feel the same way, who feel like they've beat the system or they've won somehow when they don't have to pay it. They're like, well, well, I, okay, you win, loser. This guy's a loser. I'm really sorry. Of course your son loves his dad and your son can continue to love his dad. And you can create, you know, a really safe relationship where the son is always free to go see his dad or talk about his dad or everything else. But whether you want to confront it or not, all of the major responsibilities of parenting lie on you. You are always going to have to pay for everything, whether you keep this guy around or not. He totally betrayed and disrespected you by sleeping with someone else. He's not acting like an adult when he offers up the, ooh, I was so drunk, excuse, I'm sick. Well, yeah, you're sick, but now you've made your bed and you have to lay in it. So now you have to actually pay child support for two kids because you no longer live here. This like this is not your home. I don't share my bed with someone who goes to South America and has a one-night stand whilst I'm looking after his one-year-old son. Are you serious? You can't be with this man. And I know you're in shock because you just found out about it last night. I'm so sorry. Like, it's so painful. And I know what it's like to be betrayed in that way and to have so much pain that you just, the person who can make the pain go away is the person who gave you that pain in the first place. And it's just so much easier to forget about it and be like, oh, just cover up the, you know, put a Band-Aid on it for now. But you can't do that. You can't have a son watching you tolerate this. The behavior that you tolerate is the behavior you will receive. If you tolerate this now, he will do it again. If you pay for everything now, you will always be paying for everything. If you let your son watch his mother be disrespected by his father, your son will disrespect his partner or be disrespected by his partner. You are a single mom now. I love that you're like, oh, I've been working hard to have a nice, calm, happy life. I spent a lot of my 20s going out with idiot men who were beneath me and cheated on me. But well, you're with one now. You think you found a lovely, calm, kind man? You didn't. He accidentally got pregnant with you. He accidentally got pregnant with this woman. Your words, not mine. You bought your first home together. Can you somehow, like, this is pretty recent. How much did he have to do with buying this home? You got to get him off of it. You got to get him out. And I know that's so much easier said than done. But you don't realize that, oh God. And you just lost your dad. It's a terrible time. It goes without saying that you need therapy. You need someone to help you navigate this. But I think all the listeners today will agree with me that you cannot keep this man around and he's not as wonderful as you think that he is. I'm sorry that you're heartbroken. I get that. But you're going to have to be your child's mother now. You're going to have to be your own advocate. You're going to have to just power through and leave this man somehow. And if he stays in the house for a little while because of logistics, you know, you just have to stay so strong, get him out as soon as you can and try to move forward and have a healthy co-parenting relationship. And I can tell you from experience, being a single mom is not that bad. It's really scary at first. And maybe you think like, oh, I'll never meet anyone else. Or maybe I'll meet someone worse. 
Maybe you're afraid that, you know, the partners that you've had in the past are worse than this one. But just be with no one for a while. And I promise you that there is someone out there that's not going to make you feel this way. Your words, you feel betrayed, lost. You feel sick. Like you can't be a good person who exists for you. And I promise this will never make you feel this way. You deserve better than this. If anybody has any solid advice on how to get a man like this out of your house that I suppose he co-owns, then please email tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com. And if you are someone listening, being like, well, why should he leave? It's because he should. Because she earns more and she's the child's mother and the child is very young and he's a piece of shit. What a heavy episode. First, Blippi is like involved in a poo video and that's rocked my world. But this is actually a very serious subject now. So there is a trigger warning coming at you for child abuse. Catherine, as a child, I was abused by my uncle. He isn't my biological uncle. He is married to my dad's sister. For context, I'm nearly 40 and I have one son and one on the way. He and my aunt used to look after me a fair bit when I was a child, so avoiding him was impossible. I wish I could know for sure how old I was the first time I remember him abusing me, but I was really small, I think three or younger. I've always carried guilt for not saying anything, especially now that he has granddaughters and knowing what he's capable of. Anyway, about 20 years ago, one of his daughter's friends, he has three kids of his own, accused him of touching her inappropriately, and her parents took him to police. It went to court, but nothing came of it. All of my family supported him through it, and everyone could not believe these allegations against him. So if I was ever going to say anything, this stopped me. My greatest fear is that my dad might try to kill him if he ever found out. My question is, what would you do? Having my own child has really made all this play on my mind more than ever. Surely I owe it to other children to make people aware of this predator, but I'm scared of the repercussions in the family. What if no one believes me? It could cause my mom and dad trauma to find out 30 years down the line about this. I've even delayed marrying my loving partner because I A, don't want this man at my wedding, but B, I would reveal the secret if I got married and didn't invite him. Oh my God. So what would I do is irrelevant because I was never abused as a child. So I'm not coming at this from the same frame of mind that you are. Do you know what I mean? Like, I always talk about your animal brain being different from your intellectual brain and your central nervous system screaming at you and sending these signals about whether or not you are safe. And it's okay if you can't override those with your intellectual brain. I hope that makes sense to you. But like, I don't have an animal brain screaming out to me, being like, be quiet about this. Don't do this. This puts you in danger. That makes you vulnerable. And you do. You have trauma from this. You have, it goes without saying that I think that first and foremost, you need to speak to a therapist about how this has affected you and how you can heal from here on in and what is going to have the less least amount of impact on you going forward, how you're going to deal with this. This, you know, I think that your fears about the family are really valid because my dad would go kill his sister's husband or would try. I mean, he's 70. But uh, yeah, I think that these are very valid fears. The only thing, gosh, that I would say is that I, I could imagine that getting it off my chest and making people aware of someone so dangerous would be a good thing, even if it didn't feel good on this side of it, you know, because it is very scary. You're like jumping into an ice bath and you're worried about so many things. But it's it sickens me that you, a little girl, have had to manage all these feelings and manage everyone else's feelings and alter big decisions in your life just to accommodate this asshole, this really sick predator. And that shouldn't be on you. You know, like I said in the previous email, the consequences of his actions have nothing to do with you. The consequences of his actions are that you had a lifetime of trauma and other girls, this poor girl, this friend of his daughter's, who was invalidated when she spoke up. And that is what happens a lot of the time with abuse. So of course, not only is she walking around now branded a liar, basically, but it silenced you and who knows who else. 
probably so many other people who had, you know, in his circle or who he had access to have been silenced even more because this girl was found to be like unsubstantiated in court or whatever. I think that your words could be very meaningful and very powerful and there's power in numbers. And I think at this point after her case was thrown out of court, if you come forward, maybe someone else might also come forward. But first and foremost, you have to prioritize your safety. It's really nice to be powerful and to go, I'm going to stop him doing this to this person and that person. But you have to put your own mask on first, you know? And that, see, that might surprise a lot of people, my reaction to this. You would think that like Catherine Ryan would say you have to be strong and name him and, and work through it that way. But I can't think like you because I wasn't abused. And I'm trying to be mindful of the trauma that you're still carrying, that you should definitely, definitely take care of first with a licensed therapist in this field. Um, of course, I think he needs to be brought to justice. Of course, I think he needs to be stopped and his grandchildren need to be made safe from him. So uh, without thinking of your own personal trauma, I would say shout about this man loud and clear as much as you can. So try to find the safest way to do that, I think. And I'm so sorry about your wedding. I totally know what you mean. You don't want him there, but if he's not there, people are going to start asking questions. I mean, maybe the first step is just to say, you know, silence can speak volumes sometimes. I don't know how you're feeling about this exactly, but I would say maybe as an unlicensed therapist, my totally unlicensed advice is start by booking your wedding soon. Like you already have two kids with this guy. Have like one of those big pregnant weddings. Be like, I'm going to get married to the love of my life like in September. Wow, that's fast. I think you could organize it. I had a wedding to Bobby really fast. And then just make your dream guest list. Don't invite anyone that you wouldn't want to sit with yourself at a dinner party. And then when he's left off the list and people ask why, just be like, he's out of my life now. I don't want to talk about why. He's done. We're done. Oh, oh, well, I don't know your name. Cheryl. Cheryl's been really weird with uh, her aunt's husband. I wonder what that's about. Let them do their own digging and talking. You don't ever have to say it if you don't want to. But you do owe it to your children and yourself and your inner child to keep yourself safe from him. So just have the wedding of your dreams and don't invite him and let people ask what they want. And you never have to, you know, they can fill in the blanks. Oh, well, you know, I think he might be an aunt because he was brought to court and we all stood by him then. But now I'm feeling quite weird about it. And tongues will start wagging and you never have to say anything. And as for anyone else's trauma, that's not your concern. Your mom and your dad, oh, you don't want your dad to feel guilty and feel sad you don't want your mom to be sad and go kill him well maybe your inner child feels like they abandoned you by leaving him with you do you know what i mean like what were they doing leaving you with these people and i'm not blaming them because they couldn't have known these people are very good at disguising themselves but your inner child doesn't know that your three-year-old inner child is like why did you leave me with him so this whole family needs a lot of therapy but start by planning your wedding because you deserve it and you cannot let this man dictate your behavior or your most wonderful moments any longer cut him out of your life don't tell anybody why until you're ready Ooh, this next one is going to require a lot of help from listeners so if you have any advice for any of the letters that i read out if you are a professional or you have experience in your own life please email telling everybody everything at gmail.com the new format is now we lead the episode with these and i think this one definitely needs your help Catherine, I'm a 23-year-old only child. I have a single mom who I've recently moved away from, but whom I care for very much. My mother immigrated to the UK and has no family here, so it's really just the two of us. My mom has schizophrenia or something thereabouts, no diagnosis, and her symptoms include paranoid delusions of some unbeknownst enemies, rapid weight loss, zero ability to concentrate on anything, and very slow response times when spoken to. I've been worried about her for many years and I've tried to get her help. What makes this a thousand percent more difficult is the fact that she does not think she needs help. In fact, quite the opposite. She thinks she's some magical genius with out of this world ideas that her enemies are trying to steal the ideas. 
I can email her GP all I want. I can ask the council to try to raise her issue. I can call mental health charities and I ask them what the fuck I should do. I even have access to great private therapy that I can get for her. But ultimately, these people tell me that they cannot treat her because of legal restrictions about the consent of patients and individual autonomy. I'm so confused and so frustrated. What happens when someone does not think they're ill? Are they just left by the system to die? I'm aware that there's a legal process and that I can initiate that legal process and it would see me take away all my mother's rights to governing herself. This process is lengthy, stressful enough to completely end what is left in our relationship and is usually an irreversible end of life thing. How can I subject my mom to this damning end when I'm hopeful that the correct treatment and nurture could provide such drastic measures? I guess my question is, A, what options do I have? And B, how do I brace myself to make these really difficult decisions about the person I love most against her will? I don't know. I hear all the time about people being sectioned, but I don't know how mentally ill they have to present to be sectioned. I have absolutely no experience in this at all. So like I said, if you know what to do, please email telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Next, Catherine, I am not on his socials. I am French, so I apologize in advance if my English isn't perfect. You should have written the letter in French. Joanne reads these. She is French, 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 French Canadian, though it sounds weird. Catherine, I've been with my boyfriend for almost a year, and I have the impression that he's ashamed of me. He used to regularly post photos of his ex, who is a gorgeous model, on Instagram. He often went out with her and her friends, etc. But since we've been together, he's never posted anything about me on Insta, and I've only met one of his friends. I have never seen his family. I know that social networks don't mean anything about a relationship, but I can't help finding it suspicious and a bit humiliating. Unfortunately, the attitude reinforces my complexes and destroys all of my self-confidence because I tell myself that if he was proud of our relationship, he wouldn't hide me like this. Thanks for your help. Merci. Well, to be on his side for a minute, not his side, but like the side you want to hear and that I'm hoping for, to be on the hopeful side, je pense que peut-être the relationship with his ex might have ended badly. And maybe he regrets posting her all over social media because relationships are so fragile and they end and new ones start again. And maybe he was felt overexposed in that relationship. And he went, do you know what? The next time when I find someone that is meaningful to me and I start a new relationship, I'm not going to be so public about it. There are lots of very healthy relationships where people are in love and they don't post each other. Just maybe she was also the kind of girl who was insecure and wanted to be posted about a lot. Maybe she nagged him about it. You know, you can't ever imagine what's in someone's head without speaking to them. If I were you, I would confront him about it, not in a nasty way, but I would just say, I've noticed that you don't post a lot of pictures of us on Instagram and I haven't met your family and I wondered why you are taking things this slow publicly with me. Just call it out into the air and then don't say too much. Don't make any assumptions. Just ask the question. Just say, I, f I felt like that was weird. And then once you get into it, maybe say, I've seen socials of your ex-girlfriends and I know that you guys went out together a lot and it makes me feel inadequate. I don't think that's crazy. I just noticed that there's a difference. And maybe he'll have a really good reason for why there is that difference. But your gut is a very powerful thing. If you, I am sorry that you have insecurities and sometimes your insecurities can blow a situation out of proportion. But if your gut is really telling you, oh, he's, he's hiding something, he's not super proud of this relationship, it could be that the relationship isn't as serious as you think that it is and he wants to keep his options open. Especially if he's coming out of this last relationship, it's going to be one of those two things. Maybe he just felt overexposed before and he wants to keep you on the DL because he cherishes you or maybe he was in a very serious relationship and now he wants to be casual and he doesn't want women to see that he has a girlfriend on social media. But I promise you, neither one of those options have to do with your lack of worth. Like you are wonderful and you are amazing and it's just about whether you think that he's trying to keep his options open or not. You could be the most 
beautiful, beautiful woman in the world, and he might still want to keep his options open, you know? So you will only find out the answer through a conversation with him and then by trusting your gut. That is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. I have the babysitter for exactly 25 more minutes. So I'm going to get this uploaded for you so that you can listen today. Thank you as always from everybody that's me at telling everybody everything. If you ever run a, write me a letter, it's telling everybody everything at gmail.com. If you've not yet read my book, it is called The Audacity. You can read it on Kindle. You can get it as an audiobook. You can get it paperback or hardcover. Everybody's loving it on holiday, and I'm so touched to see that. I'm doing a new League of Their Own special in July with the Lioness football team. I've had so much fun making that with my good friend, Maisie Adams. If you don't know her, please check out her comedy. And I hope that you're having fun in the sun. It's supposed to be super hot this week. You know my advice, always wear SPF. And I hope I see some of you out for Pride Weekend. See you soon. Oh, when I be when I come back, I'll be 40. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.